Okay, it was P. James Norris, or just James Norris. Beyond the Door is the short film, played at the Female Film Filmmakers Festival. He is the writer of this film. Uh, a cuckoo clock with a twist. That's how I would describe your film. Is that Would that be a correct assessment for you? Yeah, sure. So do you want it? Can we talk about the twist or no? Do you want to, You don't want to give it away? Oh, no, we can talk about the twist. It's based on a public uh, story in the public domain. So people, if they're interested, can go find it and read it before seeing the movie. So you wrote the, the original screenplay, correct? I adapted it from a short story by okay. Philip K. Dick, who's got to be the most adapted fiction novelist or fiction writer in the history of the world. I've heard of him before, yes. And how does that work in terms of adapting? Is it public domain now? Yeah, yeah. I took uh, Aaron Sorkin's master class on screenwriting, and our first assignment was to find a short story in the public domain and adapt it. So I'm not really sure. I think I picked Philip K. Dick precisely because he's been adapted so many times. And I found this story that had been published in 1954 in um, Fantastic Something. It was a pulp journal, uh, Fantastic Worlds or something like that. And uh, I adapted it for the master class. So, okay. So, so basically it was Aaron Sorkin's uh, master class. So that's, that's sort of what like I was taking. And it was... Our first assignment was to adapt a short story. Okay, so basically, uh, so so tell me about Eric, Aaron Sorkin's Masterclass. I'm very fascinated by that. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the Masterclasses. Now there's there's literally of dozens of them, but uh, it's a class that you could sign up for. Um, I don't know <laughs> how much. Mr. Sorkin was actually involved in it, um, but he wrote the outlines and the lessons and that kind of thing. And then he had a bunch of TAs, teaching assistants, run the thing. And it was of, I don't remember, I think it was eight weeks. Um, I did this back in 2020, so a while back, and I have trouble remembering what I had for breakfast by lunchtime so i i think it was eight weeks and like i said the the first assignment was to find this find a story in the public domain and adapt it gotcha so that's that, that's a great actually i i kind of believe in that idea you might as well take uh you might as well just take an adapted story they say that about even with people in film school where like mm -hmm. it's like just take a take a, a story that you can like even even stephen king says that if he says that you can make every any short story or any novel that i wrote you can make it into a film if you're basically but you just have to send and send me a copy of it <laughs> and, and sort right. of like and it's already it's already established beginning middle and end story with a with a twist so i don't understand why people more people don't do it so sorkin's idea is, is for as far as i'm concerned is brilliant from 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 doing that well he's a brilliant guy he's i think by by far our best screenwriter alive right now so so people for for context uh west wing of course right uh, mm -hmm. TV show, and then he did uh, the sorry, the Social Network. He wrote the Social Network, yeah. and to name a few. So West Wing is like a is just a 
he wrote most of those scripts first four seasons just a fantastic right. show like again if you want to go back and watch some great uh listen to hear some great writing just go watch the first four seasons of the west wing i don't know if you have i but... i tell you there's an even better show he did in my opinion yeah where he wrote 90 percent of the episodes uh maybe 100 percent of the episodes it was only on for one season and it was called studio 60 on the sunset sure. i watched that as well Speaking oh. of Matthew Perry started in it, which is you yes. know, obviously interesting because mm -hmm. he just passed away. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I, that's our go-to. If we just want to watch some TV, we go downstairs and we grab the box and we just pull a disc out <laughs> at random and we watch it. I, It's an incredible show. So, so that show came out right after the West Wing. Bradley Whitford stars in it with Matthew Perry. Yep. And, Amanda uh, Pete. show, right? Yep. And it's basically a Saturday Night Live behind the scenes of like a Saturday night kind of Saturday Night Live kind of show, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Which which was funny because Tina Fey did 30 Rock. Sorkin did did Studio 60 at the same time. They both came on NBC and they're both this essentially the same concept. Of course, one's a drama, one's a one's a comedy. So they had right. two kind of behind the scenes of an SNL skit show happening at the same mm -hmm. time. And 30 Rock became, you know, a legendary show was on for eight years and then studio 60 just one and done right right and what's so amazing about it is that he found out well in advance of you know the the last episode that it was going to be canceled so he was able to write a one he was able to write the last half dozen or so episodes so that you didn't feel robbed at the end of the series. He told, he wrapped up all the major story arcs. I mean, there were things that didn't get done, but the the big story arcs that he set up at the beginning of the season, yeah. he managed to wrap up completely by the end of the, the last episode. It's just, it's like watching a 22-hour long movie. Yeah, 100%. So yeah, and then they, so basically, so the one Matthew Perry's character is the right was the writer, right? And, and Bridge Woodford was like the producer director, kind of like the the stage creator. And then it was about they both had their little romances going on, which Sorkin likes to yep. do, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, and then then you got to know the other cast members of, as well, I guess, right? Like kind of like navigating in the world of, of yeah. comedy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He made a drama about comedy, basically. Right, exactly. So let's go back. So let's go back to this. Uh, so the master class was worth it, I guess, worth the price of admission then? Oh, yes. Yeah, I thought so. So let's go I back to like how you adapted this story. So you obviously read the story. Did you kind of break? How did you break it down to turn it into a screenplay? I, I tell you, um, and I'll probably say this a couple times during this interview. Um, I don't feel like I can take a lot of credit for the recognition that uh, Beyond the Door has gotten at the, and now I'm going to blank on the name, the Toronto Feedback Female Film Festival. Yeah. <laughs> did I get that right? All yeah. of it? Yeah. Um, because I just did a very literal adaptation. Um, I copied and pasted the text, I, I found it at Product, Project Gutenberg. 
and I copied and pasted the text uh, from Project Gutenberg directly into Final Draft. And then I started formatting and cutting as necessary, you know, as is proper for a, a screenplay. Um, kept 90% of the dialogue, added maybe one or two lines of dialogue. Um, I guess the biggest change I made was that it's a very short story. It's only 10, the, the screenplay is 10 pages long and the short story itself was, I think eight or nine pages long. And, um, the only thing, the only change I made was that at the end of the, uh, at the end of the story, the three main characters, well, the two, the two surviving characters, <laughs> um, Doris, the, the wife and Bob, the friend go to a doctor to sort of get an autopsy report on, um, on Larry, the husband who dies in it. Yeah. And I changed that to a detective being at the house gotcha. so that there wouldn't be a second uh, like a wrap set. up, a quicker wrap up. And it's one location too. So it's better, easier to film. Right. Exactly. And that's really the only um, change I made. So then, okay. To, so to then the story. And then, so you wrote the script. So what's, how do you, how does it get this get produced? What's the next step for you to get it produced? Well, there's a competition that I can't recommend highly enough. It's called the Reno Tahoe screenplay or screenwriting contest. And it's sponsored by uh, a production company called, well, there's actually two of them now. <laughs> At the time it was just the dead wife production company. Okay. Um, and they sponsor the contest and they accept um, feature length shorts and TV pilots. And the, the grand prize for shorts is that they will produce the film for you. Gotcha. Free. I mean, they give you, they give you like a $50 um, uh, option fee and then they'll produce the film. And I submitted it the first time in the spring of 2022. Uh, I was in the top three. So I submitted it again in the summer of 2022 and again was in the top three. And I said, okay, I'm going to take one more shot at this and submitted it in the fall of 2022. And I was the grand prize winner that time. I was the bride, not the bridesmaid. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, as a result, they uh, produced it. It was filmed over two weekends in January of 2023. And it was done being edited and everything, I think, in May of 2023, which from... January to May was probably three or four of the longest months of my life waiting for this thing to, to be finished. Gotcha. 
And then so what would so so you had nothing you didn't you weren't there on set you didn't like you just basically just waited you were no, like it was filmed over two weekends in Reno okay and I went down for the second weekend of filming oh wow how was that experience for you um very trying uh because I I. I had strong feelings about some things and I kept biting my tongue because, you know, there's a director, there's a producer, there's actors. And I really didn't know what I could say or should say. So I just kept biting my tongue and not saying anything. And I'm glad I did because um, the film turned out great. So what, like, do you want to, spe- to be specific about what uh, what you were concerned about? Um, there, there were two things. I hated the location when we first walked in. Uh, I'd actually, it's, I had... The, the story was written in the 50s, right? 54. Gotcha. And in the modern I, I guess. Well, I, I, like I said, I was very faithful to what Philip K. Dick wrote. So yeah. the dialogue is almost verbatim. So I was thinking a late 50s, early 60s, husband and wife. He's an ad executive who isn't happy with his life. And she's you know, a stay-at-home, typical 1960s housewife. And um, so my vision, I I actually researched what the floor plans of houses were back in the late 50s, early 60s. Yeah. Uh, And what MJ, the executive producer, MJ Paolo, who I can't say enough good things about. Um, she found this townhome in a retirement community. And when I first walked in, it was just nothing like the floor plan of what I had yeah. suggested in my pitch deck. Um, but now, because of MJ's choices, as a director and uh greg Kleino, who was the co-director and who also played larry the husband uh if you go and listen to the feedback reel there are things that more than one person said about the the cinematography and the photography that only arose because of the physical layout of the set. Gotcha. That is just so cool. Uh, and is nowhere in the script I wrote. I mean, uh, there was a, when you, when you came in the front door, there was a landing and then there were stairs going up to the upstairs and a half yeah. light of stairs going downstairs. And there was this railing, you know, on the living room side with iron bars. Yeah. Uh, and the way MJ filmed it 
one of the reviewers for the for the reel, the reviewers reel, talked about how that looked like jail cell bars. And it really communicated this feeling that Doris was in a prison. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's brilliant. It works beautifully. Yeah. But if they had gone with the one story floor plan that I'd had, we wouldn't have had the the railing there to create that image with. So there's a lot of bars in your in the in the film too, like even the stairwell, but even the where she puts the cuckoo clock. Yeah. They're shooting uh-huh. through the bars, like they're they're shooting like metaphorically, like directorially. They're shooting through the bars through her while she's fixing the clock, right? So exactly. Yeah. And that's what one of the reviewers yeah. was talking about. It makes it especially because in that scene, Larry can be seen off in the distance in the kitchen in the background. Yeah. So it's like she's in prison but being watched yeah. by Larry at all times. And yeah. Which none of that is, I mean, maybe that's implied in the script that I wrote, but it, it wasn't explicit. So the, the location turned out to be a great thing. Um, what I didn't get that I wanted was the costuming. I mean, the, the dress for both of them is modern. Uh, she could be maybe late 50s, 60s, but he had a, you know, like one G. of these kinds yeah. of shirts on and um, <laughs> he wasn't yeah. a, you know, a white collar executive. Yeah. He wasn't Mad wearing Man. a suit like, 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 like Don Draper would be in, in Mad Men, right? So exactly. And, and you know, um, Mad Men is exactly what I had had in my mind. Yeah. For the costuming and the setting and place and different time film. Kind of it's a different film like he's more like even his look like uh gregory the doctor he's got a blue collar vibe to him right like yeah he's not an executive right so basically right yeah so he they kind of changed the aesthetic but it would be interesting that like another version of your film if they if they did like a, a more kind of 60s because the whole the whole uh, aura the whole like feeling of the film is different because this is like we're assuming we're in 2020 23 right so her being trapped is a different kind of uh emotional uh in cheating on her husband for good for good reason is a different well, vibe than it is than in the 60s because the 60s is that there's already that reference that there were more housewives and etc who were trapped i guess right? yeah and that was one of my other real problems when they were filming the scene where uh, Bob comes in and she's in the bathrobe. Yeah. Um, and he says, you know, uh, she says, I want to show you something. And he, he reaches for the bathrobe and he says, is it under this? Um, you know, clearly that was a sexual innuendo. Um, and it was present in the short story and it was present in my script, but the way they filmed it while they were filming it, that was one of the times that I really bit my tongue quite hard. I wanted them to dial that down a little bit. Yeah. So that Larry's reaction when he came back and found the two of them together would be unjustified. 
throwing him out of the house. I thought that would add something to gotcha. it rather than him coming over and saying, oh, they're together, they're having an affair, I'm going to throw them out. And yeah. the degree to which with um, Bob did the little, is it under here, Yeah, really leads the viewer to think, well, they're having an affair. Of course they are. Larry's a, can I cuss? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Larry's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, um, not Philip K. Dick, but he's a dick. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Different <laughs> dick, different side of the family. Yeah. So I really bit my tongue on that. I wanted it to be a platonic relationship so that Larry's reaction would be an overreaction. But, you know, watching the film, I think it works perfectly well just the way they wound up shooting it. Gotcha. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's an interesting, like, that's the, that's the, that, that's the filmmaking process, right? There's a lot of like, it's a collaborative medium, right? So. Well, that's, they always say that it's collaborative yeah. and now I understand what they mean by that. Um, you know, they didn't collaborate with me. It, at least in my experience, maybe if I was Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. You know, the director would ask for my input. Well, even Sorkin, or, like he talks about it, like even in his early films in the in the eighties, like he didn't have any input, right? So they made right, right. Made so a few of his movies, that know, he wrote that yeah, the not like they're talking. Nobody talks to the screenwriter, right? Hollywood, right? Right. And that was my impression, and that's why I kept my mouth shut the two days I was there. Yeah, gotcha. I didn't want to step over some boundary and. But it's yeah. amazing, though. That said, it's amazing that that you wrote the discourse, you wrote a screenplay, and it, now it's produced in the film. You're talking to me. It's showed at festivals. That's quite the – not many screenwriters can say what they've had the same kind of path that you've had in the last few years. Right, yeah. And I'm, I'm very fortunate. I'm very happy for having been in T-O-F-F-F. Did I get enough Fs in there? Yeah, that's fine. What did you so you you referenced the, the feedback video? What did you think like as a whole as with people? Oh, understand? I thought that was fantastic. I mean, I've I've submitted screenplays, teleplays. Mostly, I'm a teleplay writer. I've got uh, four pilots. Well, three pilots completed. A fourth one I'm working on. And I've got an episode. I I started off writing for Star Trek: The Next Generation. I wrote four spec scripts for them back when they were when they were on the air in the eighties. Okay. And um, I actually learned how to write a script by reading production scripts. So my early scripts, the scenes are numbered because that's how our production script is done oh, gotcha. i didn't know that that was a production script which is different from yeah. the script that the screenwriter writes where you don't put the numbers uh the scene numbers on it um but um so i've actually forgotten why i started telling this story about like writing like you you're writing uh not on spec you're writing on like how they produce a film where it's like very it's very like uh it's a different a, a, a produce a production script and a, and a spec script are two different types of screen. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, 
so I, I've got, oh, that, I, I was just going to say my, my primary focus is on writing teleplays. Yeah. Uh, you know, one hour pilots. So um, I've submitted them to that. That's what it was. Yeah. I've submitted to many contests and, you know, if you pay the extra money for feedback, yeah. you get feedback from one person. Yeah. With y'all, I got feedback from what I think there was a half dozen, maybe seven people. Seven people, I think, yeah. Yeah, seven people commenting on it, each one of them giving comments from their own point of view, which is just amazing. I mean, it's it's so much different from what I get from screenplay contests. So I'm I'm just tickled pink by what I've gotten from uh, Toronto. I, I gave you five stars at Film Freeway, and I wrote a short novel on what a great experience. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. So what's what's next for you? So you got this produced like you now you have this on your resume, which is fantastic. What do you? Yep. Uh, oh, you well, give- um, I've spent the last couple of two or three weeks uh writing 150 to 200 word pitches for my four um teleplays i've got two three original ones two of them are what i call catholic fantasy where i i take the teachings of the catholic church and excuse me, their mythology, and I treat it as true, and I do my very best to treat it with respect. Um, I've got a... What I wrote as a backdoor pilot for Supernatural back in their 14th season, Mm -hmm. and I've got my... The fourth spec script I wrote for Star Trek The Next Generation... I think I can very easily rewrite for Strange New Worlds, the new, you know, Paramount yeah. TV show, Star Trek show. So I've I've spent the last couple of weeks writing 150 to 200 word pitches, which is hard. I mean, you're taking 65, you know, 55 to 65 pages of screenplay and reducing it to 150 to 200 words is hard, hard work. Um, And I'm going to send those off to my uh, manager today, in fact, and uh, see if we can't sell all of them (laughs) to somebody, somebody's. Yeah. Well, those are usually used to like kind of showcase your writing talent, I guess. Right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So then, then someone could hire you to basically write their story or or work for a TV show or, or what? Yeah. So, I, see, I'm not particularly interested in being a staff room writer. Yeah. Um, I have a very very nice here home here in Chubbuck, Idaho, and I really have very little interest in living in LA. Um. <laughs> I visited there a couple times uh, for my first spec script for Star Trek: The Next Generation. 
Yeah. I went out and pounded the streets for five days looking for an agent. Yeah. And um, finally found one. And he submitted the script for me. And lots of things went wrong. Um, but I wound up with a letter allowing me to submit subsequent scripts without representation which was almost unheard of the unheard of at the time and sub submitted two more scripts and a fourth, which I got into them Thanksgiving just after Thanksgiving of the last season, the seventh season. So they'd already wrapped the season. So they sent it back to me unread. Gotcha. So I want to rewrite that for strange new worlds. Yeah. Um, uh, and see if I can't get into Star Trek that way 20 years after my first attempt. But I've been years. told that they can't, they're not allowed to read your spec, right? Like if they're if they're they belong to the show, they can't read your your screenplay because in case they do and then they don't like they don't accept it or whatever, and then so like a, a trace of your story idea comes into a future episode, there's gonna be like uh some law like copyright or lawsuit. So they they choose not to write. So basically specs are generally geared that you're writing for Star Trek and then you basically submit to another sci-fi show as an example, right? So Yeah, I mean, that's that's one way it's done, but you, you can't get specs produced. Yeah, oh, you want to get it produced. You want to get yeah, a, yeah, a different yeah. version I, I of the get show made, not with, not with the same cast, but a different cast? Well, no, for start, so... What I'm going to do is, it was written for Star Trek: The Next Generation, but yeah. what I'm going to do is rewrite it. Oh, you're modernizing the cast yeah. gotcha. of Strange New Worlds. Gotcha, gotcha. And I want to sell it to them and see it produced. Gotcha. So, so you're you're. So I guess to say, to say to say the least, you're a fan of Star Trek. Well, this is a podcast, so this doesn't work, right? Yeah, just yeah. a little bit. Just a little bit. You're like a fan. Yeah. Uh, not of the newer stuff so much. No. I was, I, I think Star Trek reached its pinnacle with Deep Space Nine. Okay. That was the best series of all the series. Oh, really? Of Star Trek, in my opinion. Although Strange New Worlds is giving it a run for its money. That's a really good show. What about the movies? Uh, Wrath of Khan, of course, is the best star trek that ever was or ever will be in my opinion um i really enjoyed um star trek into darkness the second jj abrams okay i wasn't so thrilled with the first one because that's I funny because the set the first films. one got rave reviews and the second one yeah got mixed reviews but you're the opposite yeah i'm not a huge fan of time travel stories they always cause trouble although the best episode of star trek that's ever been made of course was city on the edge of forever which was a time travel story um but uh i mean i liked the first one but i thought the best of the abrams movies was into darkness yeah that's when that's when uh yeah i mean con comes back right right exactly. alternative universes yeah and it's yeah like, that's even mm -hmm. even that's that's even kind of a mind screw job too where like you're kind of figuring out what's going on there's two different spocks and yeah so yeah yeah uh, <laughs> yeah. But, so yeah i'm a trek fan 
You're all, all on to it. Do you speak, uh, what's the language again? God, no. Klingon, no. Klingon. I, 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 I bought the Klingon dictionary um, when I was writing the third one because the third spec script I wrote was kind of focused on Worf and the Klingons. So I, I actually went out and bought the Klingon dictionary so that I could have Klingon dialogue. Yeah. But no, I don't speak it. Well, I mean, I can say Kapla, but uh, any Trek fan can say Kapla. Of course. Well, anybody can, right? So. Yeah. Uh -huh. But I was reading your bio, uh, and it's, you have you have an interesting origin story too, right? Because you're going to go, you're electrical engineering uh, in Colorado, right? And then you dropped yep. out, and then you became drove a cab. Yeah. Uh, I am. Mom, I'm mom, quite convinced I'm going to go to, go to my degree, grave. Right? Yeah, I'm I'm convinced I'm going to go to my grave thinking that driving the cab was the best job I ever had. Yeah, then maybe it will yeah. be. That's where the stories come from, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And then and then so you got so you did then you got your degree because mommy told you to. And then so yeah. So what would mom what would mommy say about I'm calling her mommy? What would your mom say now about uh, about the film that was made? What, what would this her opinion be? She's. She's very pleased with it. She's very happy for me. Okay, good. Uh, she's decided that if this is what I want to do, then this is what I should do. Yeah. So, Took her long enough, though, eh? It was a long time coming, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I did a lot of things for 20 years that I also really wanted to do and just never made it. My life's goal was to be a first a college professor for 10 years so that I could learn how to teach well and then teach high school gotcha i really wanted to be a high school teacher um and that just didn't happen out the way i wanted it to so now i'm at the point where i'm pursuing my new latest dream that seems to be going pretty well I, i'm getting published i'm winning awards i i just got produced so i'm pretty happy with things where they are right now well, that said, it seems like you're on your way, and I wish you the ultimate luck with this film. Uh, and basically, it seems like it's doing well in the festival circuit already. And uh, yep. yeah, and it's like it's you're like I'm curious to see what you do next. Um, good luck with the Star Trek specs, and hopefully, we'll talk again when uh, either when we showcase a winning uh, screenplay of yours in the future at our festival, or or basically another film of yours. Well, I really appreciate it, Matthew. Thank you. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five.